the humanities and social sciences. Welcome to another episode of Oh, the Humanities and Social Sciences, the hashtag hashchat podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by yesterday, Silva Kamaran, who is talking teaching out of area in the Hass faculty. In this episode, I'm joined by yesterday, Silva Kamaran. Yesterday, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. So in this episode, um, we're going to be having a chat about your experiences um, teaching out of uh, out of area in the in the HSIE Hass Kaylee, um, and also about your um, your chapter in the Flip the System Australia book uh, that looks at that experiences. Um, but before we get into uh, into all that, um, can you give the listeners uh, a bit of a bio about yourself? What's your role in education? Sure. Um- so I am a humanities teacher at Rudy Hill High School and this is my ninth year of teaching and I um, have been a professional practice mentor and leading professional learning um, at our school for uh, more, more than about five years now and I'm also on the executive of the Australian Curriculum Studies Association so working to um, represent teachers um, and all stakeholders in education on matters of curriculum um, and that's uh, the second year of my term will be this year, um, and it's a four-year term. And uh, I guess there's been a number of experiences, um, especially with the Australian Teaching Fellowship um, or the Combank Teaching Awards given with Schools Plus, um, that have opened up the door to be more of a voice representing teachers um, in education, and that's been really exciting as well. Awesome. Now, you mentioned the Commonwealth Bank Teaching Awards. Um, how did you get firstly nominated for that, and um, what, what kind of experience was that? Uh, that was, um, I actually didn't know who nominated me when I got an email with the invitation to apply. Um, my nominator had chosen to keep it, keep it anonymous. Um, and I, I received it and I had a look at it and I'd seen some ads for it and I thought, you know, why not? I'll give this a go. Um, so I entered the criteria points and sort of just left it at that until I was invited for interview and later found out uh, in early 2018 that I was successful. So the awards um, are announced in March and this year's again will be announced towards the end of March. Are given to educators uh, for their commitment to the profession, advocacy, um, and their role in promoting the profession to others as well. So, uh, as part of that nomination, I found it a really reflective um, experience to be able to really think back at what I had done in education and what I would do as well if I was successful. Uh, the prize did come with thirty thousand dollars for our schools uh, to lead a project and. Um, that's been really exciting to have that extra bit of funding uh, for us to be able to work on a project at the moment at Rudy Hill High School that is really looking at the role of subject-based pedagogies um, as we try and incorporate dispositional learning. And that's something that we're in the second year now of a three-year project. Fantastic. And and, and um, keeping in on the theme of, uh, of prizes, you've recently also been nominated or made the top 50 um, finalists for the global teacher prize as well now yes um that was very um unexpected because they have thousands of applications um and for the global teaching prize it actually kind of flowed on uh with the australian teaching fellowship so i was actually nominated by um schools plus to put forward an application for the global teacher prize uh it was actually my second year having a go at it actually i was nominated um, by a colleague from another school in the previous year as well and uh, that too was probably a more extensive um, application with 10 criteria questions and it's open to anyone um, in the world who teaches uh, primary or secondary. 
and to be included in the top 50 shortlist has just been yeah an amazing uh, opportunity and to be honoured as well with Peter Greer Jones who was also part of the Combank Teaching Awards and to represent Australia together has been fantastic. So as part of that awards program with the Combank Teaching Awards uh, with Schools Plus we also had the opportunity last year to go to Singapore with all of the 12 award winners and that really opened my eyes to seeing how Singapore as a system really incorporates teacher voice and expertise at the heart of everything they do. So teachers move from classroom to policy work to research and it's actively promoted with career pathways that enable that and as part of the fellowship as well I recently just got back from Norway at the International Congress for School Effectiveness and Improvement and that was exciting to to see uh, the 2017 uh, Global Teacher Prize winner Maggie McDonnell was there as the keynote representing teachers so both of those experiences I guess for me have just been totally um, out of out of this world and it's been it's been really awesome ride. Yeah, and, and when do they release or when do they announce the winner of the uh, of the Global Teacher Prize for this year? So they'll announce it on the 24th of March at the Global Education Skills Forum in Dubai, which is uh, a two-day forum that brings together educators, stakeholders in education, uh, a lot of partners, and uh, that the, that's the finale event on the Sunday night. But there will actually be um, a shortlist of a top 10 that is announced in February. So um, I guess I'll know soon whether or not we've gone through to the next stage. Yeah, and look, and if you do win the million dollars, um, it sounds like you're on a game show. If you win the million dollars, um, what will you do with it? Well, that was actually part of the criteria uh, in our questions. And uh, what I wanted to be able to spend that money on, um, and we need to be able to, to do it in association with um, Varky. So I, I'll keep it in terms of general of what of the points I covered is I really honestly believe that teachers need to be the bridge uh, or the conduit between research and practice. And quite often um, we are left out of, of that conversation um, at a number of levels and that we need to, to fund initiatives that enable teachers to be able to um, have opportunities like the ones that I've just had being part of the Australian Teaching Fellowship for me to go to Singapore and Norway would not be something that would be part of my normal, um, I guess, experience. And that came out of, you know, a, a national awards program. But how, how is it that we can have people at the university sector working at policy, uh, teachers in schools, being able to share knowledge. And my biggest takeaway coming back from Norway was that in Australia we have amazing things happening. And I was sitting in, a, in different sessions and symposiums thinking of quite a number of people that I could name that could be up there delivering something that is happening in their schools, which showcases exactly what we talk about when we talk about 21st century learning and just driving dispositions and student agency. And I think we need to do more to be able to share case studies of success. Fantastic. Thanks very much for that. Um, and we wish you all, all, all the best of luck as well. Um, looking at now your, your, um, your more has sort of um, driven uh, projects, I guess, um, the book that has come out, um, Flip the System Australia, looking at ways to sort of um, reclaim the profession for, for educators, so remove it from being more of a top-down approach to a, a bottom-up approach, I guess. Um, you did provide a little vignette, a chapter for that book. Um, how did you get involved in that and why? Like, Did someone approach you and say, would you like to talk about your experiences? Um, how, how did that all come about and why did you, why did you agree to do it? Um, for me, that came about with um, a conversation and an invitation from um, Cameron Patterson to submit an abstract for the book. And at that particular point, I was wondering, uh, you know, what it is that I would want to write about. 
And I thought about the issue of teaching out of field uh, because I also mentor a number of um, and have mentored a number of pre-service teachers and early career teachers. And I think that issue of out of field teaching is not something uh, that is said at university. And even last year, uh, I spoke at a Sydney University alumni teach me. And when I when I spoke about the issue, you know, uh, one of the lecturers was like jokingly saying, no, don't tell them that. And I was like, no, I think, you know, this is why we need to talk about this issue, because you can spend five years training, um, as I did in the double degree program at Sydney University, thinking that you are going to teach a particular curriculum and that's what you do the curriculum units for. And then the reality is that we have most people going into temporary uh, or casual roles. And I was lucky enough to get a one year temporary contract. And it was my choice to say yes to teaching uh, HSC Aboriginal Studies. And I'd had some exposure to it because I did actually teach at uh, Rudy Hill as a as an intern. So I had already, I was observing the classes when I was there and then I was lucky enough to get a contract later. And I think it can really make uh, someone's career, like for me it has, it's definitely broadened my scope from being open to that idea. But at the, the same time, I was only able to be successful because I had really great support around me. Uh, I had a, a strong mentoring program. I had faculty uh, subject specialists sharing their knowledge and also then being able to know where to go and how to develop the pedagogy and something with, with making the right contacts through professional associations. So I, I strongly believe that this is an issue that sometimes we only ever talk about in Australia to do with maths and science and how they might be, you know, PE teachers teaching one of those subjects. But even within the humanities, I think, yes, there are similar ways that we teach um, different subjects in the humanities, but there is also a very, very strong need to be able to go and look at what is it that makes disciplinary knowledge uh, in this particular subject and how is it that I can best engage students but also really give them deep learning experiences and it's a conversation we need to have. Yeah, and look, I have, you know, my own personal experience of um of teaching out of area, you know, you get that temporary position and uh, at schools, and that's generally the, the first bit of exposure you get to um, to, um, to being out of area because you're a temp. Um, you know, you, you, sometimes you tend to pick up, you know, all the sort of loose little subjects that couldn't be filled by um, by the full timers first. So okay. there's X amount of classes left over. They normally just pass it off to to the temp, or there's a reshuffle, or someone gets promoted in house and they, you know, they have to give up one of their classes. It normally forces someone who's got the lighter load who might not have any idea what they're talking about or doing. Um, so what's happening at Rudy Hill? What, what, what are you working uh, – well, what, what are some of the solutions you're putting in place to help those teachers who are teaching out of area? What, what strategies have you got there? Uh, well, within our own um, faculty, so I think it, it's important for me to say that um, I'm not by any means promoting out-of-field teaching. I think that the my experience is about – showcasing or not showcasing actually highlighting that this is a reality that exists um and in our particular faculty what has um i guess enabled my success and the success of others is really first of all tapping in on people's strengths so even though i hadn't uh completed curriculum in aboriginal studies and i'm not actually sure there was a course for that when i was at university uh in terms of my history training and my history curriculum i specialized a lot in post-colonial histories uh and australian history so in terms of, I guess, my um, subject matter knowledge, um, I like, showed a passion for those for those areas and I was asked if I would be interested in that particular teaching book because of that background. So as a team, you know, we, we, we really look at well, what is it that people have actually studied, you know, especially if you're a history major or, you know, even in English, like the actual scope of what you might do at university 
it's so broad and you know compared to how we then translate that into curriculum experiences but having a subject mentor is uh, one of them so uh, making sure that there is somebody that uh, can guide new teachers in but not just new teachers also more experienced teachers that might be teaching a new subject uh, for the first time um, having team resources uh, really having that time for collegial conversations and really accessing um, the professional learning that you need to be able to be successful. So making sure that uh, we are part of the professional associations and uh, sending people out to get um, professional learning when it's needed and all those sorts of things. And one thing I guess that makes Ready Hill unique is apart from that subject-specific um, pedagogy, we have some whole school learning platforms, um, including like a, a critical creative uh, thinking approach um, and a real focus on teaching with the capabilities. So that's been like a school-wide approach now for a number of years and it's been facilitated by uh, professional learning at um, a sort of a distributed leadership structure. We have what's called a professional practice mentor team. There's one in every faculty that's given um, a release to be able to lead some professional learning and coach and mentor uh, early career teachers and then be able to contribute back towards the school's strategic um, direction. So we also have strategic direction planning uh, teams linked to different parts of our school plan. So I guess there's alignment uh, from, from the school in terms of our vision and what we want learning to be that's then translated into our faculty context with what we're trying to do to be able to meet that, that overall plan as well. Speaking as, um, as, a, as, a, as a mentor yourself, um, yeah. moving, move aside the, you know, the faculty-wide uh, approaches, um, personally, how do you approach someone who is struggling to meet the demands of a subject they have no idea what they're they're doing in? Yes, both within my own school context and colleagues from other schools as well. Yeah, so what what would you do personally? Someone comes up to you and says, yesterday I'm really struggling with this subject. Um, You know, you mentioned professional associations, but how do you personally um, sort of approach them? How do you you put that that human touch to it? Uh, It's just being available. Like even just yesterday, actually, I had a friend contact me who's not a teacher, but... um, she put me in touch with one of her friends who's actually just been given Aboriginal studies at a school and she's not too sure at all where to start. So, uh, yeah, we've just set up a time um, like to be able to email each other some resources. I'll share things that I've done, even though it was quite a few years ago now that I taught Aboriginal studies. Uh, just making like uh, sharing some of the resources I developed. I think that's part of it, especially when you're a new teacher, is uh, just not knowing if like the types of resources you're making reflect uh, the sort of concepts that you're trying to communicate. So, yeah, I think that even just that opportunity to um, be able to go for a coffee, that's something that I did as well with another colleague last year from another school, uh, and talk about, well, this is how I approached it. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was doing was right, but, you know, this, this worked really well, this didn't work really well, um, and being able to have that, that honest reflection. Um, but also celebrating when things, you know, work really well. So sometimes people don't have access to another teacher of that subject area. So they might be the only person that's been given a particular subject. And I think it's really important, um, even through like uh, Twitter and teach meets and things like that, uh, just being able to know there's someone you can message or uh, like share something that is working or not working is really important. Thanks. Thanks very much for, um, for, for that yesterday. Um, look, before we wrap it up, is there any, um, any final words you'd like to leave, uh, leave all the listeners with? Um, I think in this time when there's all these really exciting different approaches happening in education, I think that uh, the humanities sometimes um, are left out of, of their importance. And I think that it's through the humanities that, you know, we we have 
access to so much knowledge and in terms of empathy and how how that really connects people uh, at a very personal level, but also really through social justice and all of those things that we try and do in developing global citizens. And I think that we we sometimes need to fight for the importance of the humanities. And in doing so, I think that we also need to to remember that there is a role for discipline specific uh, knowledge and pedagogies and. Um, I heard someone in Norway actually say to me that, you know, the humanities need to integrate or they're going to, they're not going to survive. And I thought, oh, you know, that's actually, I've been thinking about that since, since that. And I know other people have shared those views as well, but I I do think as a history teacher, you know, the way that I teach history is, is actually remarkably different to the way I approach society and culture um, and, and through those lenses. And that's something that I'd like to see more of a conversation on to see, you know, what is it that is generic about um, the way that we might approach the humanities and what is it that makes um, our subjects unique and expert. And that's part of the project that we're looking at at Rudy Hill at the moment as well. Well, thank you very, very much for um, for taking the time to uh, talk about teaching at Avery and the support that is available. Um, thank you very much for, um, for appearing on the podcast yesterday. No worries. Thank you, Marco. Thank you for listening. To continue the conversation, find us on Twitter at hashtag HouseChat. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au